Welcome to Lesson 30 in our Old Testament Bible History series, Let My People Go. This lesson tells the story of Exodus 5-11. through Before we begin, I have a question for you. Do you know what a yoke is? You may have seen a yoke on a pair of oxen or horses. It joins them together at the shoulders so that they can pull a cart together. It's a piece of wood that is bent and can also fit across your shoulders to help you carry a load. Now, in the Bible, a yoke is a picture of the burden of slavery. A heavy yoke is a picture of the difficulty of slavery. The yoke is an important part of this story. Let's go then to the streets of the royal capital city of Egypt. There's two men walking on the streets who look really out of place. These men are Moses and Aaron. If you look closely, <clears throat> you can see that one of them is carrying a shepherd's staff. That staff is a symbol of God's authority that he has given them. These two men have recently visited the elders of Israel. They have brought the wonderful message that their deliverance from slavery was going to come really soon. And now these two men are going to see the Pharaoh up the fancy marble steps and into the cool palace they go. Soon they're in the throne room. This was an awe-inspiring sight. The beauty, the plants, the wealth, the jewels, the way the people treated Pharaoh as if he was a god. Moses and Aaron waste no time. We come with a message from Yahweh, the Lord God of Israel. Let my people go that they may worship me with a feast in the wilderness. Pharaoh does not know who this God is, and he also does not care to know. Who is God? He asks with a sneer. I'm not going to listen to him, but you had better listen to me, Moses and Aaron. You are keeping your people from your work. You had better get back to making bricks. Pharaoh calls his advisors and tells them, these Israelite slaves must not have enough work to do because they somehow think they're going to get time off. What nonsense. We have to make them work harder to not make them think this way. They've been making bricks with the straw we have supplied. Let them go look for straw themselves. But I want them to still make the same amount of bricks. Well, you can imagine that this did not work well. They had to look for their own straw, and they just could not make the same amount of bricks with less time and straw. The beatings got worse. It was torture for them. Their spirits were really sad. And so they went to Pharaoh saying, Why are you doing this? Pharaoh mocked them. Well, I see that you are worried about making enough bricks and not too worried about leaving to make a feast. Good. That's the way it should be. You have been too lazy in the past. 
Get to work. I will not change my demands of you. The Israelite leaders were now so furious at Aaron and Moses. What? We believed we would be free. Now you've made the king angry. Life will be even harder for us. Well, Moses was also confused by this. He did not want to make life harder for them. He turned to the Lord with this problem and was encouraged. The Lord promised him that he was not going to leave him and that he will be faithful to his promises. Moses and Aaron are told by God a second time to go to Pharaoh and to bring the message, let my people go. Well, they enter the palace again and Pharaoh recognizes them. What are you doing here? Get back to your work, you slaves. But this time, Aaron takes his rod and throws it on the ground in front of Pharaoh, and suddenly there is a snake slithering around on the nice carpet. Pharaoh is shocked for a moment, but then he challenges Moses and Aaron. So, you think your God is that powerful? He calls in his own magicians, and he tells them to do the same thing. The magicians throw their rods on the ground, and they also become snakes. Pharaoh looks so proud, thinking that he is just as strong as the God of the Hebrews. But then, Aaron's snake swallows all of the other snakes. That is a powerful sign, isn't it? But Pharaoh is full of pride, and his heart is hardened. He chases Moses and Aaron away and refuses to obey God. One morning, Moses and Aaron are commanded by God to meet Pharaoh at the Nile River. Pharaoh has come here to the river to worship the river as a god. It is the river of life for them. It provides them with so many things they need, so they worship it. In fact, this is a good time for us to pause and mention that Egyptians worshipped many different gods and idols from nature. A lot of their idols and gods had a connection to agriculture, life, and their property. But now, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is going to clearly show how useless it was for the Egyptians to put their trust in their gods. Over the next nine months, ten plagues would be sent to the Egyptians. Now, Aaron lifts up his rod, he stretches it out over the river, and suddenly it turns to blood. In fact, all of the water in Egypt is turned to blood. It is disgusting. The fish die and begin to stink. The people are forced to dig new wells for the water. What did Pharaoh do? Pharaoh hardened his heart. Was the God of the Israelites going to tell him what to do? Never, he says. Eight more plagues happened. 
before a tenth and final deadly plague came in God's judgment on the Egyptians. This video would take far too long if I described each plague in detail. But let me give you a few things to keep in mind as you read about these plagues on your own in Exodus 7 through 11. Remember that each of these plagues were miracles performed by God. You can see this in how severe they were beyond the ordinary. You can see this in how Goshen was spared, but Egypt was afflicted. You can see this in how their timing was predicted by Aaron and Moses. You can see that they were miracles performed by God because they upset and they showed how powerless the Egyptian gods were. Also, remember that these plagues got worse and worse and worse as time went on. These are all judgments from God, but they were first uncomfortable for the Egyptians, and then they became dangerous, and finally they became deadly. It also helps to remember that they happen in, in groups of threes. The first in each group sees Pharaoh met by Aaron and Moses in the morning. In the second plague of each group, Pharaoh is met in his palace. And the third plague in each group comes without warning to Pharaoh. And of course, this is followed by the tenth and final plague. Also, you should pay attention to the words about how Pharaoh hardened his own heart and then in the later plagues, how God hardened Pharaoh's heart and gave him over to his own evil mind. In some of the plagues, Pharaoh begs for relief from the plague. Other times, he tries to bargain with Moses and Aaron. At all times, his heart is hardened, and he becomes more rebellious. But it all ends on the last day of their time in Egypt. Moses is once again before Pharaoh, and he receives again instructions from God to give to Pharaoh. The punishment that was first threatened will now come true. Pharaoh has not let God's firstborn son go free, so now God will take away the life of Pharaoh's firstborn son. It will happen at midnight, Pharaoh is told. The firstborn of every family will die at midnight. Every family in Egypt will be affected. But in Goshen, not even a dog will bark at the Israelites. They will be spared. After this plague, Pharaoh would even be happy to see the Israelites leave Egypt. 
So, in this story of the ten plagues, we have heard many calls to let my people go. We've seen the many times that Pharaoh hardened his heart. What's the importance for us? Well, we should always start and end with God. God teaches about himself, about his plan of salvation, about our place in that plan. So in this part of the lesson, we will not look too much at the plagues. We will listen instead first to Pharaoh's anger, then to Moses' complaint, and then to God's encouragement. Pharaoh is angry that Moses and Aaron have asked him for time off to worship their God. These people have too much free time, he thinks. Get back to work, is his harsh answer. He accuses Moses and Aaron in chapter 5, verse 5, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. Pharaoh increases the work and makes it more difficult. Let's think about the symbol of the yoke now. Pharaoh made their slavery more difficult, and so their yoke is heavier. A question for you. Do you remember what this slavery is a picture of? Yes, it's a picture of our slavery to sin. We need salvation. If we are not saved or delivered, our burden of slavery will only get worse. The yoke will only be heavier. Sin is a very mean slave driver. Think for a few moments about verse 15. There, the Israelites go back to Pharaoh complaining about how difficult their slavery is now. And Pharaoh refuses to listen to them. The yoke of sin will always ask more and more from us, but it will always give us less and less in return. Pharaoh shows his hard heart here. He's cold and unfeeling towards the Israelites. He saw them suffer and he didn't care. But a hard heart is also more than that. The Bible uses the words hardness of heart to especially talk about our continual refusal to hear and obey the Word of God. So, a hard heart points to our disobedience to obey God and to listen to Him. Do you have a hard heart? Does that bother you? Then repent and pray for a broken heart with David in Psalm 51 verse 17. There he says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. God promised Israel that his grace would be enough to cure a hard heart. 
A new heart, he says, also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. You can read that in Ezekiel 36. So, what does this teach us? We need to be delivered. We need to be delivered from our slavery too. The yoke of sin will never get lighter. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says here in this text, Sinners, do you sense how heavy and terrible your yoke of sin is? Come, take the yoke I have prepared. It's a good yoke, a sweet and tender yoke of service to God. Second, we're going to listen now to Moses' complaint. Read chapter 5, verses 22 and 3. Moses was complaining here. That's not good. Up until now, it seems to be going well. But now, in these verses, the whole plan seems to be coming apart. Moses does not trust God here to fulfill the promise like he said he would. He is not waiting patiently for God to work at his own time. Do you ever doubt God? Don't complain or think that God is doing it wrong. It's impossible for him to do something wrong. Third, let's listen to God's encouraging reply. He begins, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. God does not give a detailed explanation of the difficulties that are coming to Moses and the people. But he does repeat his promise to Moses. Think with me for a moment. Imagine if Pharaoh had given up, if the plagues had made him repent, if he made the burden lighter, if he didn't harden his heart but he listened to God. Then we could say that the salvation of the Israelites was because of these reasons. No, God will do it all himself. This will make God's saving work even greater. After this, he points Moses to his covenant faithfulness. Please read that in verses 2 through 8. Look at some of these key phrases. I am the Lord. I appeared. I have established. I have heard their groaning. I have remembered my covenant. I will bring you out. 
I will rid you of your bondage. I will redeem you. I will take you for a people. I will be your God. I am the Lord. This was an encouragement as God refers to his name Yahweh again. In verse 3, he says, Up until now, you have not known me by my name Jehovah. That's an English word, but it is Yahweh. Up until now, you have heard the name, but now you will see it in action. You will see God perform what he has promised. Deliverance is a key part of the meaning of this name, and here God is going to show more of who he is by his actions of deliverance. So, in this lesson, we have seen Pharaoh's anger and hard heart. We have heard Moses' complaint. And we have also heard God's comfort and encouragement. In our next lesson, Deliverance, we will learn why and how salvation from slavery is possible.